Um, I might sit in the t- will I sit in the chair? I hurt my hamstring this week. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stretch it out. I need movement. Right? Right, coach? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get, get stiff. Well, hello, guys. I'm back. Uh, thanks for having me back here at City Church. Uh, we've been attending here, and I'm just always honored to come and preach. And I'm kind of a long-winded preacher, so I'm going to ask Chris right now, what's my cutoff time? <laughs> Come on, math, quick. 11? <laughs> Noon. Come on. This is when the fans, people are going to start running around in here. It's 20. Okay. 10, 20. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Amen. Um, I'm going to do my best to uh, re-preach Robin here. That was awesome. I loved everything that you shared. That was great. Love your testimony. Uh, to God be the glory. Um, just feel the Holy Spirit radiating off you. I just want to say that um, as you shared, it was, uh, it was powerful. So uh, thank you for sharing with us. Um, wholehearted series. We are in a nine-month uh, series called Wholehearted. And if you haven't been here, uh, we'll kind of get you up to speed. Wholehearted, what we want you to do is we want you to imagine at the end of 2022 what life would be like if you knew, loved, and experienced Jesus more than you ever have. When I break down that new or knowing, I think about hearing his voice. Anybody ever struggle with hearing God's voice? Um, Hearing his voice. I like to think about knowing Jesus, knowing the Holy Spirit as hearing his voice above the noise. Right, because we all have noise in our life, but let his vo- letting his voice become the most um, loudest and the preeminent voice in your life. And know his voice. If you know his wo- voice, you know his ways. Um, and if you know his ways, then you know how he feels about you. So uh, I, when I think about knowing Jesus, knowing God, I think about hearing his voice. Um, and then also, what would it look like if you loved Jesus at the end of the year more than you've loved him before? When I think about that, I think about um, your desires born out of a relationship with Christ. When you love Jesus, your desires change. They're transformed. So your desires are, are born out of relationship with Jesus, not a personal savior, the savior, the one and only savior of the world. Not a way, the way, Jesus. Loving him uh, changes the desires and your actions. And then experience. We're talking about experiencing. Last night we had a, a Holy Spirit night where we came and experienced the Holy Spirit, where we just soaked and listened to his word. And I, I saw people getting prayed for and prophetic words. And it was just a great time experiencing the Holy Spirit. When you experience his presence, you experience his peace. How many could use a little bit more peace in their life? I know I could. You experience his peace. And when you experience his peace, and his presence, then you begin to see the miraculous. You start to see miracles happen around you. We don't chase miracles as believers. As believers, miracles follow us. Amen? Mm, I could have shouted. Y'all should have did a little dance on that, man. Come on, man. Uh, there's, a, there's a line in one of my favorite movies, uh, Tombstone, uh, uh, where Kurt Russell's uh, playing Wyatt Earp, and he's just like all mad and hot, and he's like telling the bad guys, he's like, yo, tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you know, because he's bringing, he's bringing the fire. When I think about Jesus, I'm like, man, I think about Christians, I'm like, yo, heaven's coming with us. Tell them we're coming, and heaven's coming with us. Amen? 
Amen. That's, that's what presence is like to me. Okay, so we're in the wholehearted portion of practice. And when I think of practice, I think of James 2.17, faith without works is dead. So in other words, our faith should lead to actions, and those actions should lead, lead to ways that we live out our faith. Um, some people might call them disciplines, which is not wrong. Calling it a discipline is not wrong. Disciplines is good. I like discipline. Uh, but for the sake of this series, we are calling them practice. Um, I love this quote uh, from a, an older pastor and author. His name is Donald Whitney. It says this, discipline without direction is drudgery. Discipline without direction is drudgery. And when I think about a wholehearted practice, I really think about a direction. I really think about what we're doing as a practice, what we're doing uh, as a discipline has intentional direction to it. And when you have intentional direction, you know what you're doing. You know the meaning behind it. You know the why, right? So last time I was here, I taught on generosity, finances, and this time I get to teach on health. And so I'm feeling like the, the prosperity preacher right now. Like, uh, like I feel like Chris is bringing me back to my word of faith roots, like my, my prosperity <laughs> My prosperity roots. So uh, in that vein, we're going to take up a couple collections after church. And I just need, uh, let's see, I just need uh, 1,000 people to give $10,000 for my new G6 uh, so we can go globetrotting. Amen. Uh, I'm a recovering prosperity gospel <laughs> word of faith preacher, so uh, bear with me. Um, I'm a big, somebody thinks that's funny. I'm a big purpose guy. Uh, I'm a big purpose guy, payoff guy. So in other words, I need to know why we are doing this. Why are we doing this? I need to know before I start, and I need to know while I'm doing it. Not only before I start, but while I'm doing it, I need a little bit of encouragement on the way. Like, why am I doing this? Like, I'm not just running for no reason. <laughs> like, is somebody chasing me? Am I chasing somebody else? Is there a prize at the end of it? Am I going to get somebody going to give me some money? Is there food? Is there a pie? Is there a key lime pie? A cheesecake? Come on, somebody. Is there something at the end of why I'm running? I'm not just running for no reason. Hiking. My wife and I are both from the Pacific Northwest. I grew up in the city. She grew up a little bit out in the country a little bit. She likes to hike. I do not. I do not. I don't want to hike for no reason. When we get to the top, she's like, there's a view. I'm like, is there a fish to catch? Is there something to kill. I need, and before you judge me for killing things, I eat everything I kill. So don't, don't at me. So, um, you know, I need a prize at the end of what I'm doing. I'm not just hiking for no reason. I only started working out in high school uh, because I played football and uh, my high school was also co-ed. So it was beneficial if you had, you know, a nice body. So I'll let you figure that out. So uh, I worked out because my high school's co-ed and I played sports and there was benefits. If you worked out, you were bigger, stronger, you had more stamina, you'd be a better athlete, right? So I needed to know the why. I had to have something for me, right? So sports and that other thing that motivated me to stay in shape until I got married, uh, and then we started having kids right away, right after I got married. And um, I have four kids, and every time my wife got pregnant and she ate for two, I ate for two. And then when she got pregnant, you know, and she we had two, then I ate for two more, and then three, and then four, and I ended up just eating for all four of us. So that's how I got to be the size that I am. So I battled weight most of my adult life, uh, which for me contributes to poor health. I, it's something I have to pay attention to. Uh, in addition, there are some illnesses that run in my family, like diabetes, high blood pressure. My dad just came down with gout. I'm like, wow, we can just throw that one on there. Now I got to pay attention to that. So now in my mid-40s, there are some things that I have to watch out for, um, and I have some motivation to get healthy. 
Um, and like prayer and other disciplines, most people, most of us, we walk around feeling bad. Like prayer and other disciplines, we walk around feeling bad. We, most of us, if we're honest, like, I don't know a lot of people, a lot of Christians, I'm like, how's your prayer life? They're like, it's dope, it's awesome. I just pray all the time in my prayer closet. I'm just a prayer warrior, you know? That's, most people aren't like that. Like, how's your prayer life? They're like, oh, I could pray more. And if you ask them that about, you know, their health and their, their health journey, most people will say the same thing. They'll be like, yeah, you know, I could, I could do more. So most people walk around feeling bad like they're not doing enough. This is not a message of shame. Hear me on this. This is not a message of shame, guilt, or condemnation. I want you to hear this from me. That's not even the language of Jesus. If you are ever feeling guilt and shame and condemnation, you can just rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus because that is not even his language. That is not our Father's language. That is not the language of the Holy Spirit. That is the enemy. So this is not, do not hear this. And this is a tough message for me to preach because I have to talk to you about a behavior, but I believe that this behavior is a more of a practice and leads to more formation. Amen. This is not a message of guilt or shame. Um, this is not a message about weight loss or getting rid of that dad bod. Um, matter of fact, you know, I'm, I think that, you know, dads who are in really good shape are actually bad dads, you know, because how could you be in that good of shape <laughs> and still have kids and a job and all that, you know? <laughs> Every time you see, like, abs on a dad with, like, two or three kids, it's just neglect, 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 <laughs> neglect. That's all it is there. <laughs> so uh, if... <laughs> <laughs> if you are a dad and you are in great shape and you got really offended by that, uh, we have prayer afterwards and <laughs> therapy sessions are provided by uh, City Church OTR. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not a message about self-improvement. Uh, this is a message and series, sorry, about practices that lead us into formation. Physical health is more than working out and eating right. As Robin alluded to, it includes rest. And so if there's one thing you take away from this whole message um, is that this, I want you to take this away. Physical health, I'm sorry, practicing good health honors God, honors you, and helps you experience Jesus. If that's all you hear today, I want you to catch this. Practicing good health honors God, honors you, and helps you experience Jesus. Now, some of us in here, are health nuts. Some of us are health nuts, and I'm going to pick on you guys for a little bit, right? Some of you all are vegan, and you're CrossFit, and you're just like, oh, you're just like Ohio State fans. <laughs> we know it as soon as you walk in the door <laughs> that you are a vegan and a CrossFit, and you love Ohio State, right? You're gluten-free, not because you have an allergy, because you actually chose that lifestyle. You chose violence. You chose to be gluten-free. Meanwhile, I'm sending food back. I'm like, excuse me, this doesn't have enough gluten on it. I need you to just sprinkle some more gluten on that. I need more gluten in my life. If you're this person, uh, clearly uh, living healthy is not a challenge to you. It's not a challenge to you, so you'd be tempted to just turn me off. Like, it's not a challenge. I work out, Rob. I work out. But it could be an idol. It could be an idol in your life. It could be an idol if you judge those who aren't healthy. It could be an idol if your identity is wrapped up in being in peak physical form. It could be an idol if your workout routine is an escape 
which isn't terrible, as we've learned. It's not, an, it's not terrible for your workout routine or working out to be an escape or a, a coping mechanism. Uh, it's obviously a healthy alternative to a lot of things. But there comes a time where you need to move um, your coping mechanism from that to a spiritual practice. Follow me on that, right? It's okay. There's no shame and there's no guilt in that. But there comes a time in your walk as a mature believer that you take that coping mechanism and actually turn it into a spiritual practice that gets you into a closer relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Um, Some of us... Um, have experienced issues or trauma that have affected our physical health. Sometimes the circumstances are out of our control and it can make our health decline, like your wife getting pregnant four times. Um, That made my health decline. Um, um, Poverty can contribute to poor health. Not being able to afford healthy food can contribute to poor health. And sometimes if you're growing up in poverty, that's out of your control. Medical issues can contribute to poor health. Uh, Depression, as we've heard, can contribute uh, to poor health. Um, I don't know about you guys, but there's this little thing that we went through called uh, COVID-19. Should have called it COVID-19 to 20 because I gained like 19 to 20 pounds when I was in COVID, when I was in lockdown. Um, uh, Eating your feelings is a real thing. And some people during that time developed eating disorders. Uh, Some people turned to drugs. Uh, Some people turned to alcoholism. And I heard a well-meaning pastor get on stage one day and was trying to rah-rah people up and he was all fit and excited about his life and said, if you didn't get better during COVID-19, during lockdown, then you missed it. I was like, I didn't get better. I was like, I think I drank more bourbon. Um, I don't think I worked out as much as I wanted to. I don't think I read as many books as you, bro. And I just want to tell you guys that if that was you, um, sometimes you didn't get better, but you just held on. You just held on, and you held on to Jesus, and that's okay. That was for somebody in here. I wanted you to know that uh, in Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, it says, Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So if you went through a tough time and you were depressed and something got you down and you should have been better, no shame. God's mercies are new every day. You can start today. Amen? Back on track. So for a lot of people, uh, there's an awareness of needing better physical health, but we just aren't consistent or intentional about it. Um, again, this isn't just about working out. This is about stewarding the body that God gave you. And if we dig into our inconsistencies in health, we may find healing in other areas of our life. I'm going to say that again for people in the back. If we dig into our inconsistencies of our health journey, we might find healing for other areas of our life. Selah. Practicing good health honors God, it honors you, and it helps you experience Jesus. Now, I want to give you a couple scriptures, a couple foundational scriptures for good health. Uh, Ephesians 5.29 says this, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Jesus Christ does the church. In this chapter, it focuses on relationships, and we see that Jesus has a good relationship with the body, so we should have a good relationship with our body. 
You see, as we are being formed into Christ, our bodies are part of the body, right? So we don't neglect it. Matter of fact, we take it a step further. We nourish and cherish it. Amen? 3 John 1 and 2, uh, chapter 1, verse 2 says this. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. Everybody say good health. As it goes well with your soul. Now, I make fun of the prosperity gospel because, as I said, I'm, re- I'm, I'm recovering. Um, because you can't base your theology on a few scriptures and take it out of context. But here we have John the Beloved praying for good health for his good friend Gaius. And I think it's safe to say that John reflects the heart of Jesus and that he, doesn't, that, and that he does want us to prosper and be in good health. So I've got uh, three, maybe four points. And if you're taking notes, you can start uh, writing these down. Uh, my, my dear son, one of my sons, uh, takes notes of all my sermons. And I'm just so proud of him because he just has a little notebook in his phone. And he's got all the notes of everything that I say. And, you know, one day he's going to turn on YouTube and he's going to see Tony Evans and Andy Stanley. And he's going to be like, man, those guys listen to my dad. <laughs> Point number one, <laughs> practice of health is good stewardship. Practicing of your health is good stewardship. And I have a scripture for you. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12 says this. Let's see Apostle Paul. He says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Healthy living and taking care of your body isn't self-serving. It's God-honoring. It's not self-serving. It's God-honoring. And understanding that just because I can doesn't mean that I should is actually good stewardship. If you understand that just because I can doesn't mean that I should, you're actually moving into good stewardship of your body. I like to think about it like this. It's privilege. We are all privileged in some kind of way. And I feel like God has called us to steward our privilege well. Whatever area that you are privileged in, you are called to steward that well as the Christian, as the Christ follower. So if you are privileged in finances, if you are privileged in health, if you are privileged in any kind of way, our goal is to steward that privilege. Most of us have some kind of physical privilege. We can see, we can hear, we can smell, we can taste, we can touch. We have all of our faculties. We can stand on our two legs. That is a privilege. Not everybody has that. You didn't do anything to earn it. You were just born that way. You were just gifted that. And so you are called to steward whatever God has put in your hands. Amen? Good stewardship looks like stewarding our physical health. Point number two is this. Practice of health is a form of worship. I never thought about that until I started studying this. Um, Practicing of health is a form of worship. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20 says this. Don't you know that your body is a temple, everybody say temple, of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. First, Let's acknowledge one thing. Jesus was fully man and fully God, meaning that even as God, he had a body to steward. You guys catch that? 
even as God, Jesus had a body to steward. And the price that was paid to sacrifice for us was that body so that we could all have life beyond this initial body of our own. First, I want to acknowledge that. Second, a person is his or her body. You and your spirit, or your body and your spirit, are one. <laughs> You're, there's, there's no human body that's walking around that doesn't have a spirit in it. And there's no spirit floating around here with no body. To be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. So you and your body are one. The spiritual and the, spiritual and the body aren't opposed to human life. They're actually complementary. The spiritual life makes the physical body possible, right? So the Holy Spirit has actually come to tabernacle with us as believers. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you? You see, we understand the importance of coming together for corporate worship when we sing and praise and lift our hands to God. But in the same manner, we can come together and corporately worship God by taking care of our physical bodies as the body of Christ. No amens there. (laughs) Um, It doesn't mean that you have to become some workout guru. It doesn't mean that you have to get shredded. It just means that you have to pay attention to this earth suit that God gave you. It just means that you can take this body that God gave you and worship him. Worship our creator with the created thing that he gave us. Not neglect it. Not think any less of it. But actually use this as an instrument of worship. Point number three is this. Practice of health is formation. Jesus rested. (laughs) He took a nap in the boat during the storm. And he would often take a whole day to rest and be with his father. Now, our bodies need rest. I think God is all for working hard. But can I tell you guys something? That the thing that we see on social media, the thing that everybody's pushing down our throat, this grind culture, is not biblical. And... Um, Not being from here, I picked up something um, on this kind of spirit that hovers over the Midwest. You guys are very hardworking people, which is commendable. It's a good virtue. You're very hardworking people. But that can become an idol in itself. Um, That can become your identity. Um, I think what what I figured out living here for the few years that I have is like the worst thing that you could be considered here is like lazy. Like, oh, don't be called lazy, right? If a mom or grandma or dad, if somebody calls you lazy, it's like, oh, it's like the worst thing. I'm from the West Coast, man. Somebody called you lazy, like, whatever, bruh. (laughs) From the West Coast, man. We work smarter, not harder. (laughs) We do, like, tech and stuff like that. (laughs) But here, this is the Midwest. So what I notice is that even white-collar workers have a blue-collar mentality, right? And which is not a bad thing. Hard work is good and it's a virtue and it's God honoring. But um, it can become a bad spirit when it's this grind culture. No sleep, no days off. That's not biblical. No days off is not biblical. You need rest. Jesus rested. Jesus was resting in the middle of a storm. How many know if Jesus can rest in the middle of a storm, you can take a Sunday off. 
Come on. If Jesus rested in the middle of a storm, you can shut that laptop by 7 o'clock and not answer any emails until midnight or 1 in the morning. Because what are you doing? It's not biblical. So Jesus rested. Um, What about what you eat? We talked a little bit about nutrition. Um, Whether you are following a specific diet, um, you can fast as a Christian. Fasting is important. Jesus fasted. He started his ministry by fasting 40 days and 40 nights. I'm not asking you to do that. (laughs) Uh, But fasting is both spiritual and physical. One is affected by the other. One is affected by the fasting is not a punishment for you. Fasting is not this thing that you got to white knuckle your way through. Fasting is something that you do in conjunction with your spirit to worship God, to give your digestive system a rest. And it affects your spirit, affects your spirit and your body. So you can fast. We aren't made to consume. And every now and then we need a break for consumption. Jesus also exercised. He walked everywhere. He was always getting his stroll on, right? Now, this is newsflash for you. Jesus probably wasn't ripped. He probably wasn't ripped and tall and handsome, okay? Uh, the Bible says that they couldn't distinguish him from the rest of the disciples when the soldiers came to arrest him. So either they were all really tall and good looking, <laughs> or Jesus was probably pretty average. Right. He was pretty average. And the point I want to make is that you can this is your body is the body that God gave you. This is not about sculpting and shaping your body and being in peak physical performance. This is about getting those joints moving. This is about the long haul. This is about getting the blood flowing. And Jesus did that. He exercised. And how many know that if Jesus exercised, we should probably exercise, too. Amen. All right. So I've got a couple practical things for you. Um, From one foodie to another, (laughs) because I love food. I love food. I love sweets, all the treats. I got a problem. (laughs) I love me some cookies. Oh, my goodness. Don't don't get me started, man. Like, I just, my wife makes me a a carrot cake every year for my birthday. It's fire. Um, I I, I love food, all kinds of food. Um, But you can honor God with what you consume. You can actually honor God with what you consume. Number one, let's just forget nutrition. Eat meals with people. How about that? Eat meals with people. Um, Gather. Do community. Right? This is just side teaching. (laughs) Do community. Eat meals with people. That can honor God with what you consume and how you consume. Um, Eating meals with people is great. Maybe uh, if I eat meals with people, I can serve them treats and I can make up for it. You know, like tell God, like, that's why I'm, I have to eat the cookies because I'm feeding somebody. <laughs> um, you can fast intermittently. You can fast biannually um, or you can fast uh, annually. Um, but give your digestive system a rest. Food was made for man. Man was not made for food. What are your resting habits like? Do you take a Sabbath day? Most of us don't. Most of us don't. But it's, it's, it's something that God has asked us and commanded us to do. Take a Sabbath day. Do you schedule a no work day? Do you plan to go to sleep by 10 and then stay up till 1130? And then you look at your phone and you're like, ooh, in 30 minutes I can play Wordle. Let me just stay up till, till midnight. The new Wordle is coming out. And now it's like 1.30 in the morning. You're like, dang it, I only got five hours of sleep. 
That's okay. It's just me. Okay. Uh, you need good sleep habits, um, as Robin alluded to. Uh, that eight hours of sleep is glorious. Uh, I remember the days when I could live off five hours of sleep and just go hard the whole day. Those days are no longer. So if you practice uh, getting your eight hours now when you're my age, uh, it won't catch up with you. Um, Okay, so for the person who neglects their physical health, like we said, your spirit and body are tied together. You know, there's a flip side to prosperity gospel. It's called poverty gospel. So if one you know, group of people thinks that, you know, if by prospering, you're actually more godly. And other people think that by being poor, you're actually more godly. And both of them couldn't be more wrong. And much like the person who sees being poor as godly, you're not being more godly by neglecting your health. Right? You're not being more godly by just not care. I don't care what I look like. God loves it. Yes, God does love you. And it's not about what you look like, but it is about the long haul. It is about your heart working properly and your joints functioning properly and you being around. Amen. So um, for the person who neglects, how much more could you live a wholehearted life with Jesus if you took better care of yourself? How much better would you feel? How much more capacity would you have to witness and love others? How much longer could you live to bring heaven to earth? How many more people could you disciple if you had more energy because you were paying attention to your health? And for the person who lives in the gym, I'm going to invite the band up on this one. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, are your workouts idolatry? Could your workouts be a distraction from a problem that you have? I'm going to say that again. Could your workout routine be a distraction from a problem? And this is a word for you health nuts and workout nuts in here is that God wants to redeem that. God wants to redeem that time um, that you would work out and just try to escape. He wants to redeem that time and be in that with you. He wants to be in your workout routine. My question is, is your workout a good hobby or is it good stewardship? Is it an escape or is it worship? If you're competitive, ask the Holy Spirit, how can my drive and my competition be God-honoring versus self-serving? Will you invite God into your routine? And for those of us who are inconsistent, you felt the nudge from the Holy Spirit to take better care of yourself. You do. You felt it. You've known it. You've started the diet. You stop. You started the workout routine, and you stop. It's time to get with the Holy Spirit and ask, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from just going all in? Will you ask the Holy Spirit to help you be more intentional to honor God with your health? For the Jesus follower, life is not about being a better you. It's about being formed in the image of Christ. We do that by practicing good health. I've got one more bonus point for you. And it's this. Believing that God can and will heal you isn't wishful thinking. It's biblical. Believing that God can and will heal you. It's not pie in the sky. It's not wishful thinking. It's actually biblical. 
Psalm 101, verses 1 through 3 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. We serve a miraculous, loving, healing God. He clearly cares about your body. He clearly wants you to prosper even as your soul prospers and wants you to be in good health. Guys, God makes no accidents. You are an intentional, created being with a body that houses not only your spirit and soul, but the Holy Spirit has come to tabernacle with us and be in us so that we can contain and broadcast the love of God. God wants you whole. God wants you healed. We have sin and destruction in this world and we live in a fallen world, but we serve an amazing God. We have an amazing Father in heaven who would love to touch you and heal you. Um, I had a really cool experience one time where I was uh, called in to pray for a lady at my church in Seattle. And I didn't know what I was praying for. They just said, hey, can you be here in the morning? There's a lady who needs prayer. And she showed up. She had three of her friends with her, and they were all really down. And I didn't know what I was getting into. And um, they told me, they said, hey, this is Wendy. Um, she's got brain cancer, and she's got lesions on her brain. And the doctor says she doesn't have much time left, and she just needs prayer. And I said, okay, let's do this. And we found a quiet place in the church. And I laid hands on Wendy. And you just felt the power of the Holy Spirit just enter the room and just dropped her right there. And her friends caught her. She got back up. She's crying. Everybody's crying. I'm crying. You can feel the presence of God. I prayed for her again and prayed for us more. And we wailed and cried and prayed for Wendy. And she went back to the doctor and those lesions turned into scar tissue. And the Lord added six more years to Wendy's life until she finally passed away from cancer. But he added years to her life. So many testimonies of healing that God wants to do. And I believe that this can be a place of healing if we believe and know what God wants for us. So um, during the song, uh, we'll have people praying at all four corners of the room. Um, you can come up to, to get prayer for healing. You can come up to get prayer for anything. Um, but my wife, Anna, and I will stand here and um, we will pray for anybody, uh, for anything. Um, but let's trust God.
Let's stand on his word. He wants us healthy and whole. Let's worship him with these bodies that he's given us. Amen? Amen.